joining the club, which is the church, is not getting saved. That's not joining the body of Christ, just putting your name on a church roll. That's why we have to do so much follow-up. We got to do so much calling. We got to do so much trying to encourage you to come on back to church. You didn't have a conversion like you need to have if we got to follow up on you to come back to church after you done said that you gave your life to Jesus Christ. Because when you give your life to Jesus Christ and he come in and cleanse your heart, you have an appetite for him and nobody got to call you to see where you've been. Welcome to the light of the world, and this is Jerry G. Martin. It was Jesus Christ who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's calling sinners to come to him, and he's calling for those of us who are not ashamed of him to share the good news with others. Come and go with us today as we share these messages to help us to grow and to be productive in the kingdom of God. I have heard and seen several comments over the past few days about the ruling of the Supreme Court's upholding of marriage between those who practice homosexuality. Many Christians are despondent. I heard someone said that they would like to move out of the country. But I want to tell them, wherever you move, it's there too. Another person said, Lord, come quickly. I believe, however, that in the midst of what has occurred in our culture, this time and this season could be the church's greatest hour. The Bible tells us where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. As I thought about the questions I was being asked, I said, it is following the script of what the Bible says will occur in these days. I'm not frustrated with the Supreme Court, nor those who practice homosexuality, because we have not gotten here because of them. We have gotten here because the church has been idle. And the people in the church have not held up their light and their standard of righteousness and have not fulfilled the call that Jesus Christ has asked us. What we see can be laid plainly at the steps of the church, not the people. Sinners do what sinners do. And sinners are going to get better at doing what they do and they're going to keep uh, exploring and exploding but when saints don't do what saints supposed to do we end up where we end up that brings me to an occasion we see in the book of Mark where Jesus went out of his way to reach those who were unreachable and I want to challenge us tonight to start looking at how we reach those who are unreachable at least in our perspective. In the book of Mark chapter 2, beginning at verse 13, once again Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me. Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. 
while Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Again, this story, this passage is repeated in the book of Matthew and Luke, the synoptic gospels. Matthew adds one other little phrase to what Jesus said, and I want to read that because I want to point that out later in Matthew chapter 9 verse 13 after hearing the Pharisees Jesus said it is not the healthy who needs a doctor but the sick and then he tells them but go and learn what this means I desire mercy not sacrifice I have not come to call the righteous but sinners God's receiving the sinner and refusing the righteous is central to the Christian faith. God's receiving the sinner, but rejecting the righteous. So when you are righteous before God, and you are righteous without God, you are saying you are righteous, you're probably not. So he rejects those who claim that they are righteous, and he receives those who are sinners. The gospel is not for good people, but for bad people. People who know they're bad and who come to God for forgiveness and cleansing. That's who the gospel is for. Someone took that word gospel, G-O-S-P-E-L, and said it stands for God offers sinful people eternal life. The object of men's repentance is God's forgiveness. And that is the theme of the gospel. God forgives for all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. And so God forgives sinners. And men must turn from sin in order for God to forgive, to cleanse, and to save. And the only people who ever receive salvation and enter God's kingdom are those who acknowledge their sinfulness and repent of it. So if you don't acknowledge your sinfulness and repent of it and ask him to come and cleanse you, then you're not going to enter into the kingdom. It would have been pointless for Jesus to come into this world to save the righteous because the righteous don't need salvation. The Bible tells us that every man is sinful. And every man is separated from God. And every man is condemned to hell. That's what the Bible tells us. Well, we stopped preaching that because we don't want to offend people. We've stopped preaching that because we don't want to sound like a hater. But a person will not seek to be saved until he realizes he's lost. So we got to tell people that you are lost without God. 
It's all right to tell him that God's love you and have a wonderful plan for your life. You need to tell him, man, you are lost. Once you figure out you're lost, then you're going to want to try to be found. Once you figured you're lost, the first step then in proclaiming the gospel is for one to confess his lostness. Just like a person will not look for healing until he's convinced he's sick. We have this passage that tells us about Matthew. And we're introduced to him in this passage. Matthew, in some translations, was called a publican. Not a republican. A publican. A tax collector. A man who served Rome. He was working for the Romans to collect their taxes from the Jewish people, although he was Jewish, he was working for the Romans. He was a sellout. He was a traitor. How can you represent them at our expense? The publicans, the tax collectors, many of them would accept bribes from the wealthy to reduce their taxes, and then they would exact more from the middle class and the poor to make up for it. They became a hated group. Whenever you would see the publicans and the tax collectors, any person who thought they was right and righteous did not want to associate with or talk to or be seen with those tax collectors who's working for the Romans. And it was to that man, the most despised and despicable, to whom Jesus walked up to him and said, follow me. If you read every version, one of them said he immediately got up and left everything he had and followed Jesus. When Jesus asked him to follow him, he extended his forgiveness to the outcast of society. Isn't that a lot different than what we do? We want to go to those whom we are comfortable with. We want to speak to those who we always have a connection with. But to those who we don't like, those who are uh, the drug addict and and the hustler and the pimp and the prostitute, we want to go to the other side of the street. In fact, if you look at us, you probably would mistake us for a Pharisee. Oh yeah, we come to church and we shout and we pray and we, we lift our hands, but when it comes to reaching people, there are people we don't want to reach. They don't deserve what we have. And if it wasn't a shame, we'd probably tell them directly, go to hell. Now we're not told anywhere in these passages of Matthew's verbal response to Jesus' call, but it's evident from the context that he was likely under some deep conviction of sin and of spiritual need. Why else would this man just immediately get up and follow Jesus? He didn't seek Jesus out like the centurion that came to him 
and said, would you heal my daughter? He didn't seek Jesus out like the paralyzed man we looked at last time whose four friends picked him up and brought him and opened the roof of the house and dropped him down in front of Jesus. They were looking for Jesus. Matthew wasn't looking for Jesus. He was sitting there doing his thing, collecting tax. He's in his tax booth and Jesus found him and said, you come and follow me. When I read that, it made me think that there are a lot of people who are never going to come into the church looking for the Lord, but it doesn't mean that they don't have a sense that they need him. So what the church is going to have to do is go out to those people and walk up to somebody and say, follow me. That's why we're saying it is imperative that we take his light to the world because the world is not going to come to his light. They can't see all the light that's in this building. Now, we walk into this building, we have our light shining so bright. We're so happy. We're praising. We're magnifying. We're glorifying. And we're saying, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Sister, I'm, I'm blessed and, and I can't be cursed. I'm above and I'm not beneath. I'm too blessed to be stressed. All of that on the inside of here. But there are people who have never come in through the doors of a church. Jesus showed us that example. Many people are not going to look for the Lord, but they're still lost. Many people are not going to look for the Lord, but they still have a spiritual need. So this simple call by Jesus was more than enough reasons for Matthew to turn his back on everything he possessed. Not only did he turn his back on everything he possessed, Matthew was doing pretty good as a tax collector. I mean, he was living large as a tax collector. Nobody liked him, but he was living pretty large. Well, I'm not going to say nobody liked him because the Bible is going to tell us he had a banquet and he had a lot of friends that came to that banquet. Because of his position with the Romans, he knew he was not going to be able to return to that position when he left it to follow Jesus. He knew the cost, and he was willing to pay the cost to follow Jesus. When a person is really genuinely saved and converted, he's going to leave his old life. He's going to leave his old habits, his standards of practice and his behavior will no longer appeal to him when you really come to the Lord. We have a lot of people who go through the process of joining the club, which is the church. Joining the club, which is the church, is not getting saved. That's not joining the body of Christ, just putting your name on a church roll. That's why we have to do so much follow-up. We got to do so much calling. We got to do so much trying to encourage you to come on back to church. You didn't have a conversion like you need to have if we got to follow up on you to come back to church after you done said that you gave your life to Jesus Christ. But when you give your life to Jesus Christ and he come in and cleanse your heart, you have an appetite for him and nobody got to call you to see where you've been. You are saved. When I got saved, I hadn't been to church in years, but I tell you what, I got saved, and when the next church service came, which was on a Tuesday night, I was the first one there. Amen. I thought they started on time. <laughs> and I didn't wait for nobody that came in. I went right up to the altar and got on my knees and started crying out to the Lord because he was changing my life, and I knew it. Not only did I know it, everybody that knew me knew it. 
When Jesus Christ comes into your life, no matter where you've been, it doesn't matter what your lifestyle has been, how possessed you've been by demons or whatever it is, you are changed. And we got too many people just going through the motion. That's why the church has not made an impact on the world. We just got folks in the church with a worldly mindset. So Matthew's first thought was to tell his friends about Jesus. He said, hey, Jesus is coming to my house. I'm throwing a banquet. Y'all come on over. He was so thankful that Jesus was interested in him. He threw a banquet to present Jesus to his friends. Now look at what might happen here when his friends will start coming. The religious people don't want to talk to him. The political people don't want to talk to him because he's in with the Romans. Somebody liked the way he's rolling. You know who they are? They are the drunkards. They are the murderers. They are the robbers. They are the prostitutes. They like the way he's rolling. When you got some money, you got some friends. The sinners included those people. They were the riffraff of the area. And they must have been touched by the prospect of dining and checking out Jesus because the house was full. And it was because of a banquet like this that Jesus got a reputation. You know, they called him a, a gluttonous man and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. That's what they call Jesus. Yeah, you a friend of sinners. Jesus said, yeah, I am. Yeah, I'm a friend of sinners. That's who I came for. The sinners. And the Pharisees, that's the church folks, the folks that go to the charismatic church, the folks that go to the Baptist church. They went to Pharisee Baptist and Pharisee sanctified church. They didn't want to go in there with the sinners, but they want to see what's going on so they can tell this man who said he was righteous, he was the son of God, he, and is doing miracles. I want to see why this man is in there with those sinners and drunkards and prostitutes. They're not going in, but they're looking from the outside to see how things are going to go down at this banquet. And they became outraged at the teacher who claim to uphold righteous standards even higher than their own. And how are you going to be willing to sit down and eat with the sinful group of people? In verse 16, when the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples. They didn't ask him. They asked his disciples. Because, you know, his disciples, were, they just joined up with him. They were like, I don't know. Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And they were like, I don't know. We were wondering that ourselves. <laughs> we just, I just hooked up with him this last week. We're trying to figure this out too. So they must have been standing out with the Pharisee. But Jesus answered them and said, it is not the healthy who needs a physician, but those who are sick. Let me just share with you something so that while you're taking his light to the world, this will stick with you. The kingdom of God is for the spiritually sick who want to be healed. The kingdom of God is for the spiritually corrupt who want to be clean. The kingdom of God is for the spiritually poor who want to be rich. 
The kingdom of God is for the spiritually hungry who want to be fed. The kingdom of God is for the spiritually dead who wants to be alive. Jesus told the Pharisees, you go and you look at the scripture. And what does it mean when the scripture said he desired mercy, not sacrifice? Jesus was quoting the book of Hosea. And he said, Hosea is the picture of God's love when God told Hosea to keep going back and getting that prostitute that you married that keeps running off from you go back and do whatever you can to bring her back to yourself he said you go and you look at that scripture and see what God's heart is God's heart is to get the lowest of the low God's heart is to get everybody who's unclean unhealthy unwhole uh, get those that others want to kick out he says I want you to not overlook those who have that need in fact, the people who are already doing well, they may be wealthy, they may be doing well financially. A lot of times they don't think they need the Lord. That's the one we want to reach. They're going to feel like they don't need the Lord. You can look at a person and think they're so vile and hateful. They're cursing and all kinds of profanity coming out of their mouth. And you may think they're not even thinking about Jesus. They will come to Christ quicker than somebody who you think is so nice. But what they need is somebody that says, hey, come and go with me. I'm making an offer to you to come and meet Jesus Christ. Is there any Matthews in your life that as you pass by, you need to make a call and invite them to Jesus Christ? Is there a Matthew that you've been overlooking because you're thinking that they're not interested because they haven't said anything? Ask the Lord to help you with his divine spirit to recognize that person who has a hunger. And they may not even know what the hunger is for, but the Lord knows. They're torn up inside. Some of you have experienced that as you've asked people what you can pray for. They may have been smiling when they first spoke to you, but when you begin to pray for them, they break down in tears because they're hurting on the inside and nobody ever knows it. God wants to use us. Jesus calls sinners. This could be our greatest hour to go out and reach people for Jesus Christ. I'm not going to worry about their alternate lifestyle. I'm going to bring them to Jesus. When they get Jesus Christ in their heart and they get converted, he will change everybody's lifestyle when they come to Christ. You can't argue them out of their lifestyle. Forget about it. Bring them to Christ. Our job is not to argue about them in the sin that they're in. Our job is to bring them out of what they're in and then let Jesus do the cleaning. We catch them, he cleans them. We can't clean them and then try to get them into the kingdom. It didn't happen that way for you. It didn't happen that way for me. I came just like I was and he accepted me just like I was and then he started working on me once I got in. He says, I come for those who are sick and not those who are well. I ask the Lord to help us to go out and reach those who are sinners. This is Jerry G. Martin, and thank you so much for joining us again as we've been sharing some messages with those of us who are believers, how God wants our lives to be totally committed to him. It was Jesus Christ who said to Satan while he was being tempted, do not tempt the Lord your God, but worship him only. 
Not only are we to worship him, we are to work for him. We are not ashamed of the gospel. There are people who need to hear the word of God, and we need to tell him that Jesus is the way and that he's calling sinners to come to him. Why don't you let God use your life today to reach others? And if you don't know Jesus Christ, this is an opportunity for you to invite him into your life. If you would like to hear this message again in its entirety, you can hear it on our podcast. Go to Light of the World Daily with Jerry G. Martin. You can hear today's message as well as previous messages that have aired on this station. I invite you to be our guest at the Light of the World each Sunday. We're meeting at 10 a.m. at 16161 Old Umble Road. That's right in North Houston. If you live in Atascacita, Kingwood, Summerwood, or Fall Creek, or in North Houston, you're in our neighborhood. So come and be our guest. If you're looking for a bookstore, we have one right here on our campus. The Beacon Bookstore, where you can get Bibles, Sunday School, Curriculum, church supplies, communion supplies, or whatever you need. Call the Beacon at 281-441-2885. That's 281-441-2885. Now for the light of the world, this is Jerry G. Martin saying, may the Lord our God richly bless you, and we'll be with you again next time.